Food is fuel for your body, your mind, and definitely your sport. But let's face it, nutrition is confusing and the expectations on girls and women to be thin and have a six pack are exhausting. If you've ever been frustrated with your body, confused about nutrition, obsessed with eating healthy or guilty when you don't, underate, overate, or overtrained and overwhelmed with all the pressure, then this podcast is for you. Nutrition can be easy. You can take control of it, but it might start with letting go of control by asking for help and making a change. I'm Lindsay Elizabeth Cortez, sports dietitian and owner of Rise Up Nutrition, where I empower female athletes to overcome nutrition concerns and perform at their highest level, to stop being confused by all the mixed or harmful messages, and finally have confidence in your body as a fierce, fit, and fueled female athlete. All right. I'm here with Angel Picarillo. She's a professional runner for Roselle, originally from Homer City, which is outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Angel went to and ran for Villanova University. She ran anywhere from the 4x400 to cross country. And now she mostly focuses on the 800 meters and the 1500 meters. Angel has had lots of athletic success, including at Villanova. She was a nine-time All-American NCAA record record holder in the 1,000 meters, and she recently competed in the U.S. Olympic trials in the 800. Uh, So we'll talk a lot of running and, and all of her success there. Angel is currently engaged to fellow runner Patrick Tiernan, who is an Australian Olympian, And we can't forget about Angel's dog either, Bailey, (laughs) who she is obsessed with. So we will talk dogs on this episode as well. Angel, thank you so much for joining the Female Athlete Nutrition Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited. This is going to be fun. Yeah. Should we start with dogs? Because I love dogs too. (laughs) Yes. I mean, what is better than a dog? Honestly, like (laughs) Bailey is, like you said, my obsession. So let's do it. What kind of dog do you have? I have two German short-haired pointers. Cute. Yeah. I love them. Oh my gosh. We so we got Bailey at towards the beginning of the pandemic. Um okay. we were both doing some volunteering in Philadelphia, which is where we lived at the time. And then we were like, you know what? Like volunteering at the shelters has been amazing. This is really improving our quality of life right now. And yeah. so let's just get a dog. Let's just do it. So then Bailey, enter Bailey. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I didn't grow up with dogs. And so I'm always shocked at like the amount of love that I have for them because I didn't grow up with dogs. So it was always something that I'm like, yeah, whatever. Dogs are cute. But then once you own one and I'm like, no, they're My life revolves around them. <laughs> I know. Literally, it is my life. Like, that's my personality as a dog mom. So, yeah. And Pat, my fiance, was similar. He didn't really grow up with dogs either. And I'm like, just wait. Like, I promise it will be worth it. And he loves her too. So, yeah. I totally relate. They're just the best. Awesome. Yeah. So, if you hear barking in the background on this podcast, it's because we got, you know, we have three other <laughs> guests on the show along with us. <laughs> That Bailey loves to jump in my lap when I'm talking to someone that's not her when she's not getting the attention. So yeah. if I'm like being knocked around, it that's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, we're gonna talk so much about you, but I'm also interested just because the Olympics did just happen and your fiance competed and like I I would love to hear your perspective on that also with just not being able to actually 
be there physically. I, that's like heartbreaking how much you wanted to be there with him. Yes. Yes. It was so hard. So he went to Doha in 2019 for the world championships and I went with him and we were like, okay, you know, kind of worked out the kinks of what it means to be with your partner at a major championship and what that looks like, what he needs, what I can provide, all that stuff. And so going into 2020, we were like, all right, I'll be in Tokyo regardless. I obviously run professionally as well, but if Mm -hmm. I don't make the United States team, I'm going to go regardless and we'll, it'll be amazing. You know, the whole thing, experience the whole Olympic thing together. And then COVID comes in, everything goes crazy. And yeah, slowly but surely it was like becoming more and more real that spectators, foreign spectators weren't going to be allowed to go to Tokyo. And then obviously spectators kind of in general. So yeah, that was so heartbreaking. It's so hard. And then obviously he had a hard race. He was in the men's 10k yeah. was running super well, amazing, up until like 200 meters to go. He was in the top 10, like seventh, eighth, being really competitive. And then his body just like gave out um, and he collapsed like three times in the last 150 meters. So to go through that as well with no one there, it's just like, oh my God, it has just killed me so much. And so are you just, wa- you're just watching this live from home? Yes, I am sitting on my couch at 4 a.m., 4.30 a.m., alone in our apartment with my dog, but alone. Um, And I see it happening on TV, and then it's one of those things where it's like, it's happening, and then coverage is over. Like, okay, bye, everybody. And I'm like, what just happened? Where is he? What's going on? Right. Is he okay? What's going on with him? And and how soon were you able to get in contact with him? Yeah. he He got quickly swooped up by like the medical staff. He was in a wheelchair. They're checking his temperature, you know, all of this stuff, looking at pulling his body down because he was like a half a degree away from heat stroke. So whatever, all this stuff is going on. And he finally gets in contact with a medical staff person who gets his coach and his coach calls me probably 30 minutes after the race. So it was just stressful because I'm like for those 30 minutes, like, oh, but eventually, you know, as soon as they could, somebody called me and yeah. then I knew and it, he was okay. So, but it was tense, certainly tense. Yeah, intense for sure. And I actually, um, I will admit, I did not watch that that race. I had to, me in the Olympics this year was rather frustrating. I had to because I'm of the, I guess, generation now that like doesn't have regular TV. And then I had to you know, figure out and how to watch. And I was watching everything late and everything. So I actually only learned about his experience in the race through your Instagram post that you posted about recently. And I thought it was a really, you know, I'd actually love to watch it on rerun just because in such a, even though it's so, you know, it's sad, but it's also like he gave 120%, you know, and that's, you can't that, what a, what a race. Yeah. Absolutely. It's one of those things where you walk away with no regrets, but at the same time, you're like devastated. (laughs) So it's like, I don't know, it's been hard for him to wrap his head around what just happened to him and like feel happy and everyone's so proud of him and thinks he's a hero and all this stuff. And he's like, I'm not, I just like ran really hard. And so I don't know, I think it's been complicated, but the positive outpour from a lot of the uh, citizens of Australia has been amazing and in the US just everyone's so proud of him so yeah help lighten it a little bit when you're like okay all I'm getting is positive feedback so that helps yeah. 
For sure. And, you know, what a power couple you two, you know, both professional (laughs) runners. And so you can understand, you know, uh, firsthand what he's experiencing. And that's why you too. I'm just like, man, for you, like, I can't imagine those 30 minutes that you were waiting for a phone call. Oh, so stressful. Yes. So stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk more about your running because that's quite impressive as well. I think, you know, when I kind of, you know, I've been following you for a little bit and when I hear about your journey, you've had very just like consistent growth in in the field of running, you know, Um, I'm sure you've had your ups and downs if you want to share, you know, any bit about that, but it's like, you know, just always chipping away, chugging along, getting better and better every single step. But that's, that's my perspective. I don't know if you would describe your running career that way as well. It's hard because I think when you're in it, it all feels like 10 times what it is, you know, like you just feel everything. And so when I reflect on my career to this point, and you like just look at it kind of on paper, that has definitely been the case. Like I think almost every year, barring maybe one year in there or something, I've improved or PR in some event or, you know, slowly chipped away towards the goals that I have for myself. But I think when you're in it, it's never good enough. And you're just like always wanting more and you always had a goal that you didn't reach or whatever. So I think, yeah, I think that you feel more of the emotions. And I think particularly the hard days stick with you a little bit. And so it's easy to be like, ah, oh, the season was just a mess. When in reality, like there were a lot of positive things, it just kind of sits with you more, the hard ones. Mm-hmm, for sure. I mean, they say that our brain remembers negative experiences, you know, five times more than positive ones. So that bad day or that bad race that you had is going to stick with you, you know, so much stronger than all of the improvements that you are making. Um, sp- yeah. Spoken like a true athlete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are some ways that you kind of deal with that maybe from a mindset perspective or just motivation of, you know, just continuing to pursue these big goals that you have? Yeah, I think, I mean, I've struggled with that for sure. And I think when you get in some of those down moments, it's really hard to be like, why am I still doing this? Like the sport is really hard and it will just like break your heart over and over. And I think Mm -hmm there's just something in me that I'm like, I know that there's more that I can accomplish and more that I want to accomplish. And so Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, I think that's a big motivator for me. I've also started working with a sports psych maybe two or three years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. That has been like life changing truly Mm -hmm. because it just helps you figure out like, okay, in what ways is this, like I work on the physical aspect so much, but in what ways is what's going on in my head, either keeping me from achieving the goals that I have or not allowing me to see the progress that I'm making towards those goals, then, and that feels stifling too. So, and then obviously all the other, you know, anxieties and stressors that go into just racing and competing at a really high level with a level of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think all of those things I've struggled with, but I, working with a sports psychologist has really helped me a lot with that and having a partner that gets it. Like Pat obviously does the same thing I do. So he fully gets everything that I'm going through and that helps a lot too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think 
just like you said, as an athlete, you're training your physical body so much, but we definitely need to bring attention to all the things that, that help you achieve your goal. So that sports psychology side, the mindset side is huge in that. So I wish not. There are times where I'm like, can I just like get my workouts in and then be good to go (laughs) and just like race amazing. I wish it was that linear, but yeah, I've definitely found that that's been a big piece for me. That's important to keep working on it's just as hard as workouts honestly like the physical training is probably easier than some of the sports psychology stuff that we work on but part of the game you know what I end up saying the same thing to my clients you know as their dietitian too that it's like you know the workouts are the easy part <laughs> it's everything else and and you know if somebody's coming to me with their nutrition it's because they need help in that regard. And, you know, they're like, can get frustrated sometimes. Why is this so difficult? And it's like, you know, well, yeah, you know, the workouts are the easy part for you, (laughs) you know, but this is, this is where we need to put in the effort. So whether it's the nutrition or the psychology side, maybe it doesn't come as easy as the physical side of things, but that is what makes it a a great well-rounded athlete is being able to address all of them. Oh, yes. Like, you just want to assume that it's the physical part that's the hardest. Like, that'll be the hardest element. Like, getting the workouts in, getting the work in, the miles, you know, all of that stuff. And it's just has not been my experience. <laughs> <laughs> that's the easy stuff, <laughs> which I'm sure if I were to ever attempt to work out with you, I would not. <laughs> like, there isn't an easy part, I guess, but it's the easier element. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd I'd love to hear, Angel, like your experiences with nutrition along your athletic journey or even just along your life. I mean, where to begin with this question? I actually don't know much about your experiences with nutrition, whether it's just that I I don't know if you've never spoken on them or I just haven't heard you speak on them. So I don't have any like super specific question to ask you besides maybe just starting there. Like what is your relationship with nutrition? (laughs) Yeah. So it's interesting. I think one, I don't talk about it very often. So you certainly haven't missed anything. I've been fortunate, I think through most of my career to not have had Develop, not to have developed maybe a negative relationship with nutrition or food yeah. or diet or weight or any things like that. I think I've had people in my life that, that are able to give me positive feedback, I guess, as it relates to food and nutrition and diet. And I think, my, I think my biggest thing is there are just pieces of my nutrition that I have to be on top of. Like I need to eat my vegetables and that is honestly, maybe the hill I'll die on is I just hate vegetables so much. So that is like, in terms of nutrition, I feel like my brain is always just like, Angel, you have to eat more vegetables than you eat, Um, which sounds silly and like childish, but that's like (laughs) my focus. But I think in a lot of other ways, I've been fortunate to not have fallen into pitfalls that are easy to fall into as it relates to body and like body image and weight and how food impacts performance and all those kind of things. And I I think there were moments where I could have, like I'm a bigger distance runner, I guess, not bigger, but I'm tall. I feel Mm -hmm. like I have a pretty solid frame. I'm pretty muscular. And so I think there are probably moments where I could have allowed myself to believe some things that weren't necessarily true about my size versus the other women that I was racing. But I think just at those turns, for whatever reason, I was fortunate enough to have someone or something there that was like, no, like, don't fall kind of victim to those ideas, because that's just not true. 
so I think I've been pretty fortunate. But like I said, just like little things that I'm like, Angel, you just need to be on this. Like, but yeah. I don't have, I haven't had as complicated of a relationship as maybe some other distance oriented athletes have yeah. had. Well, that is good. Yeah. <laughs> that is what a, what, what a good thing to hear. And what a relief too, you know, right. um, that I, I think it's always just, I think I want to say refreshing when yeah. we speak to people first of all and then you know professional athletes that are just like yeah like my food's just been easy kind of good like all my life like there's no major problems and that is so good that you I I appreciate what you just said of like maybe there have been times where you could have easily questioned your body or manipulated your diet but you didn't and man is that huge you know I know it's such a gift Mm-hmm. It is. It is. So, so yeah, such a gift. That's a good way of saying it. And, you know, the, what I picked up with you is you're, you're like, I, I'm not for whatever reason, I didn't go down that path. And and I, I wish we could elaborate on that a bit more. I don't know if you know the answer, but like, yeah. just to help people like, I, you know, you kind of said maybe it's your environment, the people around yeah. you. Yeah, I think the people around me played a huge role. I think both my parents were not athletes. So I think First of all, there's an element there where like, there's not this expectation coming from them of like, what an athlete's supposed to look like, what an athlete's supposed to eat or like what it means. I think they have a level of naiveness in terms of like, this is what a distance runner looks like. Like they don't have that in their brain, I guess. Is what yeah. I don't think I, as I got into running, they weren't like, oh, well, she needs to look like you know, this woman or that woman or this woman or that woman, because they didn't have that in their uh-huh. brain. And then, and they were always the type, I mean, my parents are definitely the type that are like, you look beautiful all the time. Like nothing, you know, you're, you're perfect. So that type yeah. of thing. So, and then I went to college and I had a female coach, which honestly I think is a huge piece as to why I also never kind of fell into that, especially in college. Mm-hmm. I think it's really easy to get out on your own and then be like, wait a second, people look different than me. I'm racing women that look different than I maybe do or are built differently than I am. So let me start making changes, especially because there's no one that will really know. Like I'm now fully in control of, you know, what I eat. I had a woman coach at Villanova, Gina Procaccio. And she was like such the person that's like after a race, like we're getting pizza and fries or burgers and fries or something. Just like that was like her thing. And she, it became a joke. And obviously it was never like, you have to get this, but that was like the constant message or after a hard workout, she was asking where we, where are you guys getting pizza or burgers or are you going to get, you know, where are you getting French fries, that type of thing. And so I think even though once again, it's like a little bit silly, I think that was just in my brain of like, you work hard, you eat a big meal or you eat foods that you like that will fuel yeah. you and have nutritional value, but it doesn't have to be, you know, every day you're eating a salad type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think, in college, that was really helpful. And I think she was able to do that because she had run professionally herself. She was extremely talented. And just by the time I got to Villanova, she'd been there for over 20 years. See a lot of things in women's athletics as it evolves. And she ran in the 80s and 90s where things were really different and women were just kind of just breaking through. Things were shifting. And so I think she's just seen so much that she was like, okay, if we're going to stop something, it's going to be negativity around body image and like dangerous habits that you can get into around eating and fueling. And so that, and she was someone I trust fully. So I'm like, if she says it, 
that's enough for me. And so mm-hmm. I think really, really huge. And I, once I learned that, I feel like I've carried it through most of my life at this point. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I, I think it, it says a lot too, obviously, you know, your parents, you know, thank goodness that they just raised you in that way, but it, it says a lot about, you know, just being careful of the, the people you expose yourself to and the environment that you're in. And, and, you know, again, you had a great coach in college who created that for you, but I think even for people like deciding going on college visits and stuff like that, like these are things to pick up on. If you can spend a night with a team, go to the dining hall with a team and see what the eating habits are like and, and ask the coach's opinion on nutrition, because that's going to be where, you know, you're going to be influenced over the next four years. Yeah, totally. And I feel like it's something in high school I wouldn't have thought of. And that's, I guess the element of like, that was kind of luck that that ended up being the situation that I was in. But in retrospect, you see how critical that is and how critical the environment mm-hmm. is and how much of an impact it can have to like be in an environment that isn't healthy and how, I mean, that's career ending potentially and certainly yeah. career altering. So something I would have just like kind of brushed aside, but I was fortunate, you know, by luck or whatever, that that was the circumstance that I found myself in. But yeah, I could have changed everything for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And um, on a similar but different note, I I did want to bring some attention to, I I did go on the Wazelle um, website and saw that you wrote like a a nice short article about, you know, what it means being, being a black female in America. And I thought it was a really well-written article. So I'll probably link it in the show notes just to, to share that with people. And I think that's another thing too, of like different different body shapes and sizes and different skin colors, just body diversity, especially in running. I mean, we, there's definitely pockets, I feel like of different sports that might have different, you know, body types and, and sizes and skin colors and all that. And, and yeah, I just, I thought that was a really well-written article and I'd love to hear kind of, if you're willing to share like your viewpoints, not only on your experiences of maybe being in, in a body type that I think is wonderful, but that at one point in time, maybe those thoughts of like, oh, you know, we're going through your head. And then also being being a black female in the running community as well. What are some thoughts you'd like to share in the importance of increasing diversity in this community? Yeah, I think, thank, I'm grateful for Wazelle for giving me the opportunity, first of all, to like share my voice in that way. I think, I mean, there's a whole host of things, right? So one of the things that I did struggle with which I guess is, it wasn't as related to nutrition for me, but was a lot of the events. So like you mentioned earlier, I've done like, you know, anything from a 400 up to a 6K, but primarily a more like 800, 1500, 3K cross country, that kind of realm. And so through high school and then definitely through college as well, there were moments where I was looking around like, okay, there's not that many people that look like me. Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways that feels a little bit, isolating because you're like this is odd like why am I starting on a start line and I'm the only woman of color or I'm the only black woman in this race when you know I'm at an NCAA championship or whatever it may be um and so I think there was there's always an element in my head of like the awareness when no one around you looks like you and then I think as that related to my own experience so I'm from Homer City as you mentioned which is a super small town outside of Pittsburgh, not diverse really at all, like very, very predominantly white and rural and definitely in a 
part of the country that leans pretty red, particularly in the last few uh, election cycles. And so that brought his own its own challenges outside of kind of running and other things that just related to, you know, how I looked and how I presented to the world that I lived in. And so there were definitely a lot of challenges growing up in that environment that also felt kind of alienating and at times dangerous of living in a place where people look at you and assume something about you and certainly something negative or threatening. So yeah, it's been, it's, it's an interesting ride that I'm on and I find myself now in distance running where we're at a moment right now in life where diversity and inclusion and all of those elements are really at the forefront and important. But I mean, within my own career, which has not been that long, I'm 20, you know, seven, maybe. Maybe. Has, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> like, oh, Don't make me do the math. On the, I'm like, how can I not remember my age? <laughs> but that has become like pushed to the forefront, which is amazing. Whereas, yeah. you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago, even when I was just in college, that was not a conversation no one was talking about it. It was just kind of a thing that existed and distance running was really white. And we just kind of accepted that to be what it is. And so it's exciting to be at a time now where that's still somewhat the case, but there are so many forces right now trying to push the needle forward in terms of who has the ability to run distance races or who runs marathons or what does that person look like? What does that body look like? And I think that's helped me a lot too. And I, like I mentioned, I trained in Philadelphia with a group of all black women who were training for 800, 1500 specific work at the time in Philadelphia together. And that was like, so eye opening to me. Cause I was like, wait, now there's all of these women that look like me, like mine, like we're built similarly in that way as well. Versus when I look at myself compared to like, I don't know, a Jenny Simpson or something like we are just built very differently and we look different, but these women are just as successful, just as amazing, but look like me compositionally so that was like such a huge confidence boost too because you're like okay not that I had you know any of those lingering thoughts that you still have in your head that you just work really hard to suppress now you're like I don't even have to suppress this like because there's nothing wrong with you know the way I look Okay, fans, I'm going to pause this conversation to let you ladies know about the Rise Up Nutrition Coaching Program. We have a lot of ways that we can help clients here at Rise Up Nutrition, and this is one of two amazing opportunities to get the direct help you need. With our team of sports dietitians, this program helps adult female athletes fuel to perform without strict dieting. Ah, how good does that sound? Finally, you will understand nutrition for day-to-day training. Eat intuitively with foods that you love and be race day or competition day ready with energy and confidence. We have more details about what's included and how we can help on our website, riseupnutritionrun.com slash group coaching. Links are in the show notes, but I quickly want to share what a few of our clients have said about their experiences in this program so far. Sophie, a trail runner, says, quote, I really encourage anyone who has struggled with eating and lives an active lifestyle to consider this program because it's so hard to know if you're fueling properly without someone on the outside looking in from an objective point of view. I now feel confident in my food choices and more than anything, confident that I can actually eat more and that it will only benefit my health and my training. 
Sarah, another one of our clients and triathlete says, quote, for anyone that is struggling with diet culture, a history of disordered eating, and is trying to learn how to eat and fuel, this is a program they should strongly consider. I've been active my whole life and trying to fit a mainstream diet has never worked. In fact, it's created more problems than good. Working with Rise Up Nutrition has made things very simple. So again, if you are an adult female athlete that wants to perform better without strict dieting, click that link in our show notes to apply to the Rise Up Nutrition Coaching Program, and we would be thrilled to have you join us. Until then, we will get back to the conversation. That's such a good way of putting it. You know that, you know, you obviously never let the color of your skin stop you from showing up at the starting line. But that thought was kind of there that maybe we were like suppressing, you know, just like you said, like, oh, why, why, why do I look, you know, why am I the only one that looks like this? And then with, you know, people like you being in the position you are and people speaking about it more, making an effort more, then you get to a place where you're surrounded by people and you can see, wait, I'm not like, it's not that I might look different than other people, but there are people that look like me too. Yes. Exactly. And finding just as much success. And I think yeah, right. I think that's why it's so important to just continue to show different body types that that have been successful or screw it or not been successful. We just have different bodies. (laughs) Just so true. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, someone has to be an Olympic medalist to be like, they matter and their body is okay. You know? Yeah. So it's definitely just like anybody can do this. Like you don't have a certain way to do anything that any of us are doing. Mm -mm. Yeah. And it, you know, I think definitely in the distance running community too, you know, it's, it's just, it's so nice to see that and just have proof that different bodies and body types. And, you know, again, because with nutrition, so many people fall in that trap of thinking that they need to change their nutrition because their body isn't fitting some mold with big giant air quotes around it, you know, and, but who's to say that that mold is right. Just because that's what we are currently seeing doesn't mean that that is what is right or correct or the best. And it doesn't mean that we can't see success or, or get the job done or be accepted and still do the same thing with a different mold. (laughs) And it's like, instead of focusing on, you know, this person isn't successful or this type of person doesn't reach the same level of success because of the way their body looks or because of the color of their skin. It's like, okay, we're in a place now where we can like zoom out a little bit and be like, okay, wait, there are probably some systemic reasons why there are certain people who have reached a certain level and there are other people who haven't reached certain levels in sports and beyond. And so I think that was and, you know, that's been more of a conversation as of the last two, three years of yeah. mainstream conversation. People have been talking about it much longer than that. And that's incredible, too. I mean, all these conversations just, like, need to happen. And so, it warrants again, it just more reinforces, like, wait a second. This is not about me. Like, there are bigger things at play here than, you know, I my body looks a certain way or my composition is a certain way. And so, that's why I'm not competing or succeeding at the level that I thought. Yeah. And so it's amazing. It's just been so incredible to be in the moment with all of this happening kind of around me and, you know, throwing my two cents in here and there, but yeah, um, yeah it's so positive. I mean, there's a lot of hard things, but it's, it's definitely positive to feel like there's some, something happening versus this being kind of brushed under the rug. Right. right. I agree completely. And 
just like this word popping into my head right now is like exposure, right? I'm, my my brain kind of is like connecting dots right now of like thinking about your nutrition experiences. It was the people you were exposed to that really shaped a positive relationship with food. And now it's, you know, our relationship with our body and feeling like we are included. It's who, who are you exposed to? You are exposed to different body types, people who look like you, people who look different than you and feeling like you're not isolated. I think just exposure is so important. And, and I hope just to speak about this podcast for just a moment, I, I hope that I'm I'm doing that for our listeners too, just like exposing different people's, you know, perspectives on food and body and training so that people will hear something and hear somebody's story like your own and, and relate to that and know that, okay, I'm not alone. Even if, even if somebody else is grown up in small town, Pennsylvania, and does feel like they're alone in that moment, you know, when they're 16, that you're not alone in this world. Yeah. Definitely a hundred percent. And social media for all its downfalls has definitely provided that door for all of us, I think, to be like, okay, I'm kind of alone. I'm physically maybe alone in where I sit right now. And it feels that way, but you know, I'm an arm's reach away from a bajillion people who might be similar to me or have similar experiences. And that's Mm -hmm. just so amazing. Yeah. And I'm going to make a recommendation for people listening with social media, which is you know, all those algorithms, they start showing you what they think you want to see. So if you feel like you're seeing, well, I'm only seeing one body type. Well, I'm only seeing one way of eating. Well, I'm only seeing one skin color. You have to actively start searching for other accounts. But within like 24, 48 hours, you can change your explore page. You can so, so quickly. So it's, it's a challenge of if you're feeling like social media is becoming too toxic Mm-hmm. and you're seeing things that are making you not feel good about yourself, your body type, start following a diversity of accounts and make that intentional effort. I've actually even spoken to some clients. So it's interesting that like they were following like all these, I, I guess, like fitness models per se. And then they're like, wait, let me actually start following some pro runners or mm-hmm. some pro athletes. And I'm actually getting different body types than I was just fitness yeah. models. and then. Yeah let me follow a body positive account and I'm getting completely different body types once again, and really like diversify your social media page. And that can be one, one way to help you too. Yeah. A hundred percent. It makes such a difference. And I think that's another thing that kind of similar to what we were talking about, where these things that you're like suppressing a little bit, it's like, if you're seeing all these fitness models, maybe you're not consciously being like, I feel bad about myself now, but there's something in your brain that's saying like, that's what people are supposed to look like that are, you know, healthy or successful or fit or, you know, attractive, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then that's coming through when you look in the mirror or when you try on an outfit or, you know, like those things are all like in there somewhere. And instead of feeling like there's a part of your brain that's trying to work hard to suppress it or push it out so it doesn't damage you, mm-hmm. like just change it and then surround yourself with people or things that look like you or make you feel better about yourself and your body. Mm -hmm. We all should feel good about our body. Like everyone has the right to feel good about how they look. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be harder than it needs to be. Like life is hard enough. So if you can find ways to surround yourself with things that don't make you feel worse, like a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. So speaking of surrounding yourself with, with good people, you are on an, an all female team, not, not just, I mean, female athletes, but female coaches, right? Wazel is a female focused 
organization from the ground up. What's, what's that experience like for you? Yeah, it's amazing. Honestly, it's another one of those things. This is like such a theme, but I feel like it's another one of those things where you don't realize what differences it makes to be surrounded by women and being led by a woman until you're in that situation. And like I said, I definitely appreciated having a female coach. I had one in college and I really resonated with her, but I don't know, you kind of get away from it. There aren't as many women in those positions in the sport. And so it kind of feels like something that's like, if you can, that'd be great, but you know, don't bank on it because it's kind of hard to find. And so to stumble into this situation, that's just like incredible. And Lauren Fleshman is the most amazing woman. Like she's yeah. just such an incredible person. And so to be not only led by her, but surrounded by other women who believe in centering women and women's roles in sports and life and, you know, athletic apparel and all of those types of things has just been so positive. And another thing that'll just make you like, okay, this is not something that's making me feel worse that I kind of have to fight. Like I feel better because of the environment that I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. We totally have a theme for this podcast, which is um, helpful to me because I really struggle on titles sometimes. Some of my, some of my episode titles are just terrible. So hopefully I can come up with a good one for this. I'm trying to keep this one neat for you. Yeah, we've got a theme surrounding yourself, something about, We'll, we'll see what I come up with, but yeah. <laughs> um, there. yeah, I think it's really interesting too. If I can relate personally, like I, I think, um, I've, I've always been, if I can like self-declare as a feminist, like, sure. Like I, I have two sisters, like I, that's important to me, but then I, I think I never really valued like an all female environment until more recently, actually. And, uh, I even like one of my jobs a few years ago was in an all male environment. And in many ways, I, it was interesting because in many ways I felt like, well, since I am a strong female, that's a type of job that I can handle. Right. I could think of lots of women that I think would not be okay in that sort of situation. I was like, well, I'm, you know, because of all athletics have given me, like, this is something I can mentally and physically, you know, do, but just because I could do it didn't mean that it was a great environment for me. (laughs) Right. It just, after a few years, there were many things and it's nothing wrong with how men operate. Men might operate just slightly differently than what's supportive of, you know, what's best for me. And so it's funny just for me on a career change, I went from this all male environment to all female. I only work with women now. I have an all women's team of people who help me here at Rise Up Nutrition. And I'm like, wow, I totally just like flipped this here. And and it is powerful. And, and I say it because I think many, many years ago, I might have had the like mindset that uh, I'm just being completely transparent and honest that like wasn't super gung-ho on like all women's things. And now I am now I'm like, wait, when, when you get a bunch of women together who lift each other up, who support each other, who understand each other, magical things happen. Yes. It's so yeah. true. Oh my gosh. And I think like, I appreciate the transparency and honesty, because I think we all in some way have come from a point like that, where maybe we didn't necessarily see all the value in an all female, all woman environment. And I think that's yeah. part of this things that were taught that we didn't realize we were taught that like women yeah. can't handle that or like getting a bunch of women together. That's like not going to work or mm-hmm. you need, and I don't know, just like all of these ideas, you know, that we yeah. were taught growing up in a patriarchy society, which we are in. And so I think to like 
peek through, like break through that a little bit and see what it, the potential is, it's like, wait, this is a force. And like, obviously men are valuable and, you know, there are pl- places for them, yeah. but this spaces of all women should not be, you know, these rare pockets around the country and around the world because it's such a force. It's such a force. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh man, we're getting deep right now, but it's, it's, I just think it's interesting. And, and you're right. This, this is not an anti-men that like situation no. because in the same way that it's powerful when women come together, it's powerful when men come together, they can accomplish amazing things too. But I think it's just kind of a transition, especially women in sport, right? Women haven't been in sport that long, like you mentioned, your your coach at Villanova, like she was yeah. competing in the 80s, 90s, and like that was new, right? Yeah. Like Definitely. We, I, I always go back to like, you know, maybe some of our young listeners won't resonate, but like the first women's Olympic marathon was just in the 80s, right? You know, like because women were quote too fragile to run marathons before then. Like what? <laughs> Yes, it's insane. So it's just like our our transition of like, okay, women are in sport. And then I feel like, but we've been keeping up with the boys or trying to prove ourselves or whatever it might be. And now we've got this kind of new phase coming right now. And, and you know, Wazelle companies like them are like, wait, we, we can do this as women, our, our own way. What are the ways? What's the training? What's the coaching? What's the athletic style in the clothing that best supports women's needs? Yeah. Uh, because we've been doing this for years yeah. now. So let's do it in the way that works for us. Yeah, exactly. I think it's so interesting, Wazelle, as you're saying, their take on like, let's not just like take something made for men and just make it woman or like make it pink yeah. or something silly like that. Like, women and men are so different. So like men have what they need to some degree in sport and business and, you know, whatever else, but let's now rethink like, what do women actually need in sport and what do women value and what's like a comfortable piece of clothing for a woman to wear versus like, don't just take a men's shirt and make it extra small. Like what does a women's woman's body actually look like and what does she need and what's comfortable. And, you know, so I think, in some degrees, I mean, there, I feel like there was a point in my life where I was like, you know, similarly, I don't know, it's just maybe an athlete mindset where you're like, I don't need girl things. Like I'm tough, like the guys and whatever. It is an athlete mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Wait a second. Women are way tougher. Not all women, not all men, whatever, but women are tough as heck. And uh, like, we just need different things just like men needed different things and things were set up for them to be comfortable and, you know, wear things that they liked. Women need the same thing. So yeah, it's just like, it's not a man's thing and let's just make it a little bit feminine. Like what do women need? Right. Yeah. You know, from a science perspective, one of an exercise physiologist whose name is really well known and someday I'll have her on the podcast. uh, (laughs) Dr. Stacey Sims does a lot of research on women. One of her taglines is women are not small men, you know, and I think that's, you know, exactly what, you know, we're talking about here is how do we make it our own? Right. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Because we are not small men at all. Like that doesn't even make sense. And it's been the assumption for kind of a long time. But it's exciting to be now where we are, where it's like, wait, that's not it. Let's figure out what we actually need and what we actually want. And let's get us in the rooms and at the tables that make the decisions for things that we actually want and buy and, you know, surround ourselves with or want to invest in. That's exciting. 
Yeah. Yeah. Really exciting. Yeah. I got to support, you know, your, your sponsor and just their mission. And I think it's a really awesome one that they've got going and uh, happy that you're a part of it and that it's going well for you. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I agree. Ever, by the way. So just my little shameless plug. I was out. Clothes are amazing. So (laughs) do you have a favorite like piece? Oh my gosh. So I'm a short shorts girl, I will say. So they have, I think they're called the O stride or O amazing stride shorts. I love, but also a high 20 bra. They're so comfortable, a good hold, you know, all the things, but yeah, highly recommend. They have some nice summer stuff and fall is coming. So yeah, they, their stuff's amazing. Yeah. I will have to look into their sports bras because I, I will admit I've always struggled with that. And, <laughs> and current, yeah, currently struggling too, as I, I, I'm currently pregnant. And so my body's just changing and I'm like, every week I'm uncomfortable in my clothes. So sports bra is an issue right you now. Yeah, they definitely have. And I think they just recently, maybe earlier this summer, but have been working on like bigger bra sizes and bras with the capacity to breastfeed and, you know, other things. So mm. they're definitely, obviously it's women thinking about what women actually need that want to run and be active, but have other things in their lives like children and, you know, whatever. So yeah, definitely check it out. Yeah, I will for sure. Awesome. So let's get back to your nutrition real quick. Yes, please. What vegetables do you like? Oh <laughs> gosh, my parents bless them because... <laughs> <laughs> and my fiance Pat, he's a good vegetable eater too. And I'm just like, Ugh. but I can do, I think roasted vegetables are my sweet spot. I think that's yeah. where I live. And broccoli is like not that bad. Other roasted vegetables, they're not that bad. But like if I'm making something, I'm just, the vegetable is not at the top of my mind. I'm not excited <laughs> about the vegetable. It's more of like a angel, you have to do this versus I love this vegetable. So let me like cook it. So I'm, I can be open to them, but it's just in my brain. I'm not like, yay, vegetable type of thing. (laughs) (laughs) But no, that's good that you found roasted veggies because that's even such an easy thing to do. And I actually did that this week as a little bit of like prep. I didn't actually have like a meal in mind, but I had a ton of veggies that were perfect for roasting. So I had but I have cauliflower, sweet potato, turnips. I, f- I had a few other things. And I honestly, I'm, I'm going on vacation. So I was like, these are going to go bad if I don't do something with them. Just yeah. throw them on a pan, olive oil, salt, pepper, roasted them all. And then it was an easy thing all week to just like throw on to whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. That's the key is ease. Because I'm also not a big cooking person. Pat is the cooker in our house. So that's already a struggle. But ease and then just make it convenient for me, make it taste good, all of those things. But sweet potatoes too. I feel like, I don't know if that's actually, it's a vegetable, but. Vegetable carb. Yeah. Which is my sweet spot. (laughs) Make it a carb, make it a vegetable, make it a carb. Yeah. Sweet potatoes I can do, but it's the green ones that I just need to improve. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Roasted broccoli. Excellent. And maybe even sneaking in some greens where you don't notice, like it definitely gives color to smooth smoothies, but sometimes you don't notice spinach when you throw it in a smoothie. So I know spinach and me, we have a complicated relationship. I just, (laughs) I feel like it's one of those things where I think sometimes you can't taste it when it's mixed into stuff, which is amazing, but sometimes you can. And it just, 
it, it ruins it. So I'm, we struggle, but I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Well, let's get to a more fun question then. What about the foods you do like? And, and one of my well, question I ask every guest is if there was one food you could eat every single day for the rest of your life and never get sick of it, what would it be? Wow, that's really hard. Okay, so my dad and his, his side of the family is 100% Italian. So Italian food is just my sweet spot. Lasagna is my favorite. So I would maybe say that or I'm a big Indian food person as well. So maybe butter chicken or chicken tikka masala, maybe mm-hmm. in that family. I would think I'd either go lasagna or butter chicken and I'd never get sick of either of those things ever, ever, ever. So yeah, I think that's what I would say. Sounds amazing. Yeah. I'd, lasagna. That's, I, I never make homemade lasagna just because that sounds difficult. It does sound difficult, doesn't it? <laughs> so the other, we just had a frozen lasagna the other night. It's like so easy to just pop oh, it in the oven and it's, so good. And it's filling and it's always a big serving, you know, it lasts. So mm-hmm. what is yours? I need to know now. Ooh, you're the first person who has turned this question around. <laughs> I speak very often on this podcast of ice cream, which is true. Oh. Absolutely love ice What's cream. flavor? Specifically, it would be a coffee ice cream with like some sort of chocolate chunks in there yeah. or chocolate sauce on top. So coffee ice cream with, with chocolate nice. is definitely my favorite that, that I, I don't think I'll ever get sick of it. But if I'm answering also very like practically, the truth sure. is that I have coffee every single day of my life and love it and never get sick of it. So that's like something I'm actively doing. I'm having coffee every single day and I'm not sick of it. <laughs> no, no. And actually this is funny. If, if anybody has been listening to um, all my podcast episodes, I did have a period of time where I was affected by COVID and my taste and smell was went off. Wow. And um, I actually couldn't drink coffee for a while. That was and that's the first time in my life that I was like, wow, oh my gosh, I can't do this. It didn't taste right. But uh, otherwise, um, aside from the uniqueness and rarity of COVID symptoms, yes, I don't never get sick of coffee. And therefore, that's why it doubles up with coffee ice cream. True. Exactly. You know, you're in the same family. It's just what form of coffee am I getting? I respect that. I think ice cream is a solid pick. I'm not a big coffee drinker. I actually don't ever, ever drink coffee because I just don't like how it tastes. But we're opposite. I know. Yeah, I know, right? That would be my first thing out. I'm not a chocolate eater either. So I'm just like one of those weird people that doesn't like the foods everyone else likes, but <laughs> though. well, and you're there with lasagna. I'm, I'm there with you. That that's uh, yeah. A lot of people love Italian food and there's lots of reasons to love Italian yeah, food. hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Well, good. I have a few more questions to ask you before we close things up um, to bring it back to sports a little bit. It seems like an obvious answer as a pro runner, but it might not be. Do you have a favorite sport to participate in? So uh, running is my passion my career right now so I love running but if I'm being honest I miss volleyball so much I played volleyball in high school and I was obsessed and so in another life you know in my like fantasy I'm like off playing beach volleyball somewhere or like on the (laughs) some division one college volleyball team I think (laughs) is like my fun sport that I loved running is you know, running is running. It's not always fun. It's pretty hard and we're constantly being pushed. So I do miss the element of like 
very much heavy, heavily relied on a team and, you know, the hand-eye coordination of those of ball sports, I guess, football, basketball, volleyball, those type of things. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that would be it probably. Yeah. I love it. That's actually one of my favorite spectator sports, which is my next question for you is what's your favorite spectator sport? Oh, that's really hard. I think I'm definitely a sport person and I'm a storyline girl. Like I'm like, give me somebody that I'm like, you're pulling my heartstrings on their story. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like a diehard fan, but I think spectating, I, I think Track obviously is top near the top of the list just because I know so many people in the sport, right? Like I'm so invested. Uh, yeah. Um, I think volleyball would be up there. I'm a football person. I grew up very much football in the fall. So I think I enjoy, I'm a Steelers fan. So mm-hmm. I really like watching football. Yeah, but I'm, I'm good for anything. I'm definitely just one that's like, Fill me in on how this works if I don't know, and then we're in it, and I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah, when you're invested in the people or the storyline, that's what really makes it. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. And final question for you, Angel. If there's a female athlete that you want to give a shout out to for just being really inspirational, what what my tagline here, fierce but infueled, that, yeah, you want to give a shout out to for just being a, a really inspirational female athlete role model. Who would that be and why? Yeah. Let me give this one a second thought because I feel like there's so, so many. I think I did mention Lauren Fleshman, who is obviously not a current professional athlete, but is someone who has definitely inspired me. But I'm going to keep it on brand pre-classic in the track world is coming up this weekend here in Eugene. And I have two of my really close friends, Ajay Wilson and Raven Rogers are competing in the 800 meters. They're two amazing black women in the 800. They just both came off of great Olympic campaigns. And so if I can double up my shout out, I'm going Ajay Wilson and Raven Rogers. <laughs> Good luck. Okay. Them finishing off their season at pre Raven just got bronze at the Olympics. So yeah. I think I'd go with those two. Amazing. Shout outs to them. Thank you so much. And Angel, thank you for this conversation. It was really awesome. And I know our listeners will appreciate a lot of things that we talked about today. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. It was great. I really hope you enjoyed that episode and thanks for listening. But before I let you go, I have free resources that you can have access to right away, right now, so that you can start fueling your body as a fierce, fit, and fueled female athlete. First, I have your Red S recovery race. If you've ever wondered if you might be struggling with Red S, curious to learn more, or know you have Red S and are looking to recover fast, then you can head to www.riseupnutritionrun.com slash red S and download the red S recovery race. See how you place and figure out the next steps to recovery. Plus while there, I have a few other great resources for you, including three nutrition secrets that every elite athlete swears by and access to our private Facebook community, female athlete nutrition. So again, to gain access to all of this, head to riseupnutritionrun.com slash red S that's backslash R E D S. And you can gain access and get the help you need fast. Too many girls and women and female athletes struggle with nutrition, but you don't have to any longer become fierce, fit and fueled links in the show notes, and I'll see you next time.